0: the quantified body new technologies are bringing us more and better data on our bodies every day this data promises to help us make better decisions for better health higher performance less disease and greater longevity in the quantified body we explore this promise to find out where it is creating real world results improving bodies and improving lives hey there this is Damien Blankensok your host for the quantified body This is the show where we look at improving performance, health, and longevity from a quantified perspective, always looking for data to back it up. We look at self-experiments, we talk to academics, researchers, or self-experimenters who have got some data to back up the kind of results they're getting from using different tools and tactics, including many of the things you look at today. Diet and nutrition, supplements, exercise, and a lot of the new tech and tools that are now coming out. Today we have a self-experiment episode again. This is the second time we've done this. The first time we did this, it was in episode 28. And part one was about the water fast. So based on Dr. Thomas Seyfried's work, it's probably a good idea if you go back to that episode to check that one out before you come to this one, because this is kind of like the second part. This one is the fast mimicking diet. So it's not a complete water fast. And there's a few reasons for that, that we'll get into in this episode. And it was done one month after my first experiment. Now the idea is that this should be easier for people, psychologically easier, just because you're actually eating something. It should be safer also to a degree, that's what the studies say. And you should get the same benefits, question mark, if you get exact same benefits, or you just get good benefits. So it's kind of worthwhile going that middle of the road approach. Some of the references you might want to check out before you get into this episode is episode 16 with Dr. Thomas Seafried, where we talked about using water fasting as a potential tactic to beat or put off cancer and reduce your cancer risk. So that was one of the original reasons which I decided to do this self-experiment. Another episode with a lot of relevant information is episode 7 with Jimmy Moore, where we looked at ketones and glucose and tracking those. So the first thing to get into is why would you want to do a fast and a fast-mimicking diet like this, and why am I focusing a lot of time on fasting in this podcast now, like this will be the third episode on it? The reason is because it's a highly rich tool, there's a lot of benefits to it and it's actually very simple. Because this is the deal, fasting promotes coordinated effects that would be difficult to achieve with any pharmacological or other dietary intervention. If you think about the other things we do, we go on different diets, we take supplements, we do exercise. When we look at the benefits for fasting, we see that there's a whole array of them and it's actually kind of like a complex chain of events that take place, switching genes on and off and other things in your body which achieve that. Now, if we wanted to develop a drug to do that or we wanted to take a supplement to do that, or we wanted to use some other kind of technology to do that, we'd actually have to be operating on many different levels with several different inputs. But it just so happens that fruit is one mechanism. We get very sophisticated results, lots of different changes in our body, which overall are showing to be positive. So fasting may not sound sexy, may sound like too simple to sound sexy. It's not new tech or anything. But the results seem to be pretty sexy. So the focus on today's self-experiment is on fasting mimicking, and it's on the fast mimicking diet. And this is all based really on the work of Volta Longo's over the last 15 years or so And he's the director of a Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California. And he's done a lot of work on fasting in general with yeast mice and humans, humans with cancer and undergoing chemo and also healthy. So he's been looking at all of these and in a journal in June, 2015, he came out with kind of like a summary paper, looking at a lot of this evidence. And some of the things that it was looking at for humans, like it's actually been proven now, is that it reduces diabetes risk, cardiovascular risk, cancer, aging, and it increases regeneration markers. Now, what do we mean by regeneration? The idea behind fasting, what it does, is it's like a way to reboot a person's body by clearing out damaged cells and regenerating new ones. This is a quote from Volta Longo and how he's looking at it. Now here's the reason why this time, the last time I did a water fast, this time I've been looking at the fast mimicking diet, the reason Volta Longo has been looking at it is for a couple of reasons. One of them, I think he just knows that psychologically he's not going to get the mass market and like most people, even if they understand that it's going to be really good for them and it can protect them and help them with chemo treatments and all these different scenarios, he's not going to convince that many people to do it because people don't like the idea of fasting for five days. It's really by fasting for three days and over that you get the benefits, right? And depending what you're looking for, you'll probably do it for a different duration. Okay, so why specifically are we doing the fast mimicking diet this time? Well, here's a quote from Longo to kick it off. Prolonged water-only fasting is difficult for the great majority of the population, and its extreme nature could cause adverse effects, which include the exacerbation of previous malnourishments and dysfunctions, particularly in old and frail subjects. So, I'm kind of focused myself on previous malnourishments. I know that, like myself, a lot of people today have some kind of micronutrient deficiencies. I've found many over the time, over the last three years or so, that I've identified and had to correct, right? And I figure that if I'm going to do this every month, like say five days every month for the next 12 months or something, then that's going to exacerbate any of that situation. And it's also going to probably create some micronutrient deficiencies, because that's a substantial amount of time. Okay, more importantly, there is a downside to fasting, which you really have to think about is that like in these studies with mice, they found that as the mice got older, whereas they were getting benefits from fasting for a while, the older mice would actually die quicker. There was an increased mortality when they were undergoing these fasts because they were frailer, they weren't as strong. So this actually goes back to episode eight, where we talked to Todd Becker about hormesis. Fasting is a form of hormesis. It's a form of stressor which can promote positive changes in our body. But the thing with hormesis is that if we're in a frail situation, then we got to be kind of careful about the magnitude, the intensity of that stressor we add to ourselves. So it's kind of when, I don't know if you had any like buddies like this, um, but back in the day when I was at university, I had some friends that wouldn't go to the gym very often. I was kind of like a constant ongoing like gym goer. And they would just join me now and again, and they would really, really hit it hard, right? And they'd be laid out for three or four days. They'd be in tons of pain. And then they wouldn't go to the gym for another three or four months because it was such a horrible experience. Whereas I didn't get that because I built up slowly and i maintained maintain it. So I didn't have all the pain. It wasn't such an intense stressor for me because my body was used to it and was stronger and more able to deal with it. So the idea behind the fast mimicking diet as compared to a water fast is to reduce the intensity of that shock or stressor compared to a water fast. And so then it can be applied to a lot more people in different situations. So If you're older, if you're over 70, or you're just frail, or you're in a chronic illness state, then it's going to be safer for you and probably more effective to do the fast mimicking diet. At least start with that until you get stronger. So it may be the way to go, not just because it's psychologically easier for people, but because it's also safer to start off this way. And then once you see that actually a fast mimicking diet's pretty easy for you, then you can switch up to the water fast. And I know having spoken with a whole bunch of you out there about my first fast, that a lot of you are kind of like on the edge I'd love to do it, but it sounds like, you know, uh, like really hard going and something I don't really want to get into. So maybe this easier path is something that can kind of push you over the edge and get you to take the shot of it. As a basis for this self experiment I was looking at two studies. They were the Cell Stem Cell June 2014 paper named Prolonged Fasting Reduces IGF-1 PKA to Promote Hematopoietic Stem Cell-Based Regeneration and Reverse Immunosuppression. I'm not 100 sure I'm pronouncing hematopoietic uh, the correct way. It's a little one of a difficult there. I also refer to that study in episode 28, and the second one is more recent. It's Journal of Cell Metabolism, June 2015, so just a couple of months ago. And it was a periodic diet that mimics fasting promotes multi system regeneration, enhanced cognitive performance, and health span. Okay, a few caveats for those of you who want to try this out at home. Fasting for five days can be harmful in some contexts, as I said. So if you're in one of those situations where you're a bit more frail or not as strong, then you may want to consider not doing this quite yet. So I know from some friends and some contacts that when they have tried this kind of stuff, it was too much for them, okay? So you have to really kind of consider your situation. Volta Longo himself advises that you get medical supervision if you're going to do a fast of five days, even if it's a fast mimicking diet. And I'm, of course, not a doctor. So uh, please be careful of this. Don't hurt yourself. Just take care and do your due diligence before you try something like this. As you'll see in this episode, I've actually taken care of myself to eliminate the downside risks of this experience, right? I'm not just kind of charging and throwing myself into it. Okay, so exactly what did I do? What kind of tool was I using? What is this fast-mimicking diet exactly? When it was designed by Longo, they basically took components and level of micro and macronutrients in the human diet, and they selected these based on their ability to reduce IGF-1, which is something important we'll get into later, increase IGF-BP1, reduce glucose, increase ketone bodies, maximize nourishment, and minimize adverse effects. right? So they're just trying to cover all their bases. The IGF-1 is about ensuring that regeneration is taking place. That's a marker, which indicates that. And of course, there's the metabolic switch, also which is important. So increasing ketone bodies and reducing glucose. And then there's covering your nutritional basis, which we just spoke about. All that really means is you're trying to attain the fast-like effects while providing micronutrient nourishment, vitamins and minerals, and so on. And you're minimizing this burden of fasting. And if you look at the people who did the original study, they were using a product from Walter Longo's company. His company is L-Nutri. He set it up over the last years as he's made these discoveries. And he was trying to put this fast-mimicking diet into an easy-to-consume package for five days. So they basically have packages for each day, day one, through to day five. And they give these to cancer patients and so on. So they've tried to basically turn it into a easy, consumable solution. And if you look at it, you can see things like vegetable soup, kale crackers, chamomile tea and other things they're eating in these packages. You can't actually buy those products a day if you wanted to. So you could do this, however, at home. So the rules that they've set up are that each month you're doing 25 days where you eat normally, just as you normally would, and five days you're doing a fast mimicking diet. In in the study they've done three to four cycles. So it's not like you just do this once and you get all the benefits. What they've been looking at is free cycles. So three months or four months and having done it three or four times, and that's when you get the benefits. These have a high micronutrient content, so it's greater than 50% by weight, which if you think about it, like, wow, that's that's a big deal. Like, typically the food we have doesn't have 50% micronutrient content, and it's ketogenic, so it's restricting protein. As we discussed in episode seven, this is really important if you want to flip your metabolic switch to ketones, and it's a high percentage of calories from fat. And what they're doing is on day one, they reduce the caloric intake to 50% of normal on day one and then 34% for all of the other days, right? So that's a substantial cutback. It's only 795 calories for day two to five. But you know what? This is all kind of like techno technobabble um, speech for most people, I realize. So if you want to just keep it simple, and there's an easy way to think about this, just eat two avocados for five days each month and add to that some greens powder. So greens powder is generally a broad base of dried vegetables, right? So you're getting a whole bunch of different micronutrients in that greens powder. So that's my approach to covering micronutrient bases on a broad spectrum. So if you just eat two avocados for those five days with some greens powder, a couple of scoops each day, you're pretty much mimicking that diet. You're pretty close to it. What I did, in fact, is because I wanted to kind of maximize the benefits and I'd already done a water fast and it wasn't so bad for me. I actually kind of liked it. So I didn't wanna switch my macronutrient intake on. I just wanted to cover my micronutrient support this time because I was concerned about, like I'm doing this several times, my micronutrient basis isn't gonna be so strong. It's like five, 10, 15 days over three months where I'm not taking in any micronutrients. So all I did was I took a greens powder, and in the morning I took two tablespoons of it, and in the evening I took two tablespoons of it. So for five days, that's what I did, pretty simple. The tracking part of the self-experiment, I was looking to make sure I was getting the benefits and I was making sure also that I wasn't exposing myself to any downsides. So I was looking at those different things. I took some biomarkers from the studies themselves. I took the ones which were more accessible to me because some are only covered in research labs and they're more specialist. Some are pretty common. And I took a selection that would give me the best indication and also not be crazy expensive also but give me a reasonable confidence that I'm getting these results. The other thing I did was add some other more specific labs for myself to manage my downside risk, which we'll get into in a second. So the first major benefit I was looking at is regeneration. I've spoken about this before. Is regenerating the immune system is kind of like my core interest here. And the markers associated with that were IGF-1, so insulin growth factor 1. And the hematological profiles, so that's your white blood count, your red cells, your white blood count, your red blood cells, and all of that. Very, very common markers, both of these. And these, in the studies, are shown to be associated with regeneration, so we can see what's going on there. Then, based on Dr. Thomas Seafried's work, I was looking at ketones and glucose, like last time, to see if I was switching to ketones metabolism away from glucose metabolism. And getting into that therapeutic window zone, which he feels is therapeutic for cancer to reduce your cancer risk. Concern I had last time was my weight and in particular, losing lean body mass. Because last time overall, I lost some weight after this fast and a lot of you will be like, yeah, of course you lost weight. However, if you look at the studies, in particular, the fast mimicking diet studies, people don't lose weight. They actually gain a little bit of lean mass. So that's an interesting twist with. it. So I was looking at both the upside and the downside with these markers. I wanted to get my body composition, not just weighing. So I was home weighing myself, just with some Omron scales. And I also went for a bod pod twice, at the beginning and after the seven days, to see what happened to my body composition. If I gained lean mass, if I gained fat, lost fat, and so on. I also looked at inflammation. One of my favorite inflammation markers and something they used in the studies is a C-reactive protein. You've probably heard me talk about it before. So the high sensitivity version, HSCRP. And that was just to look at your cardiovascular risk and your inflammation. I didn't expect to see much of a change here because mine's already really low. And basically what they saw in the studies is that people with high HSCRP would see it normalize so that you kind of eliminate that cardiovascular risk shown in that marker through this protocol, this fast making diet. But, you know, I did it anyway. I just wanted to see if there'd be any change for me, a slight improvement. And finally, I looked at my adrenal stress. So I've actually been getting treated for adrenal fatigue for a little while. And this is a concern of mine because fasting is known to be a stressor, quite a big stressor for your cortisol function and so on. So what I did was I got an adrenal functional panel on that last day when I got the post-refeed results to check in that, in fact, I should have been getting better since my last one in November last year because I've been getting treated for it but I was concerned that these fats might be interrupting that process and stopping me from improving my adrenal function. So that's everything I looked at to make sure I was getting some upsides and eliminating the kind of downsides I wanted to avoid. The big takeaways were that this time, like experientially, it was actually easier than last time. That may have been because it was my second time. It may have been because it was a fast mimicking diet. So I was actually eating something that had that micronutrient support for instance, but I did really find it easier and easier quicker. I remember the last time the first two days were a little tough and I had a headache. This time I didn't get any headache. And I think really the first day was the least comfortable. And after that, it got pretty, pretty easy. And it also might be just because you're getting used to it, you're getting more comfortable with it. I know what to expect. And it's kind of becoming more of a routine. I did get this kind of reaction like I had last time. So after the end of the fast, I actually had a rough week afterwards. And that that happened to me last time. I don't know if it happens to everyone. It might be just specific to my situation because I have some tropical infections that I'm dealing with. And my whole idea was to reboot my immune system to help me fight those and get past those quicker. So that was a little bit more intense than last time. But afterwards, I definitely had an upside. And I would say that I'm at the best health I've been in, in like three years. And, it, and it's definitely been two bump ups with these two fats, looking at the before and after process. Okay. So looking at all these markers and kind of looking at if it fitted with the studies and I got exactly the same. Well, if I'm looking at the regeneration aging part, looking at the IGF1 marker, mine actually had a stronger signal than in the studies. And what does that mean? Well, what they want IGF 1 to do is they want to drop at the end of the fast. So on the fifth day, you want to see a pretty sharp drop. Mine dropped by 44%, and the study was 29%. So it was more intense drop than in the studies. However, I know that was that one other guy in one of those studies, he had a 60% drop, and longer was saying that was a healthier response. So I'm all good in terms of where it went. And it actually gave me this stronger signal, and it bounced back up afterwards, indicating that there's probably a good amount of regeneration going on. In terms of looking actually at the white blood cells, so the hematological profile, I was a little bit disappointed in this really because I hardly saw any change. It went down a little bit, like just 1.2%, like there was a dip of 1.2%. And you expect it again, what happens is the damaged cells in your immune system, the more fatigued, the ones that aren't functioning as well, are supposed to get cleared away during the fast. So I was kind of hoping that more of them would be replaced or would actually see a bigger dip in this marker. Now, what I see is one type of white blood cell tends to dip more, and that is the lymphocytes. And that did dip more for me. It was like 4.6% drop. But still, I didn't think it was uh, really, really significant there. And I would have liked to see more. The white blood cells did bounce up a bit higher, about 5% higher than where they had been at baseline. So they could indicate a stronger, more active immune system. The CRP hardly dropped at all. This was what I was expecting. It was like it dropped from 0.4 to 0.3. It's not really supposed to change that much if you're already in the good zone. Now, here's a cool surprise, though. When I was looking at my body composition, my results from getting in at a bod pod, I found that I actually gained lean mass over the time. So I gained 1.3 kilograms. That's three pounds of lean body mass, muscle and so on. And this was a stronger response than in the studies. And my body fat percent just dropped a little bit. It stayed about the same in weight. And in the studies, it shows that it's preferentially taking away that visceral body fat, which is supposed to be the worst kind of fat. One of the most interesting things I found this time round was that my ketones and glucose switched much more quickly. So within two days, I saw a big jump of my ketones and I eventually went over seven millimolars, which is pretty high. And my glucose also dropped further than before. Last time, it took me three days to make the same kind of metabolic switch. And if I look at Seyfried's glucose ketone index, so he uses this marker to understand if it's therapeutic for cancer and so on. And it just basically means that you have high ketones, low glucose, if you have a glucose ketone index under one. So your metabolism has switched to using ketones as fuel rather than glucose. And this was pretty cool what happened here is because last time, I had a therapeutic window of 53 hours where I was under one, right? So from when I finally dipped under one from the beginning of the fast through to the end of day five, this time I had 71 hours because I flipped quicker, right? So I went into the ketone driven metabolism a lot quicker. That's a much longer period. That's nearly 20 hours more in that therapeutic zone. I'm not sure what this is. My hunch is, my thought is that my body's finding it easier to do this a second time because it's already done it once before. So, you know, our bodies adapt to stressors. So this time it kind of knows how to do it. The last time it had never seen a five-day water fast in its life or a five-day fast. and It was like, what the hell is this? This time it's like, oh, I know what this is. Boom, like just switch. That's my idea of how it works. And I can explore that more in future fasts to see if it continues in that direction. Of course, since this is a fast mimicking diet, maybe that's part of what it does also. It could also be a reason. Okay, so now we get to the downside checking, making sure I'm not exposing myself to any kind of negative long term effects. And this was really, for me, it was about adrenal stress because that's something I know I have to fix. And unfortunately, the results that came back from this were that I've seen very, very little improvement over the last six, seven months. So I'm well under where I should be, for instance, in terms of the cortisol in the morning that my body is outputting and the total cortisol coming out through the whole day. Okay. So I'm literally like 50% lower than the lower baseline. So unfortunately this means that I'm not going to be able to carry on and keep on doing these kind of fasts every month because I really need to get that adrenal situation sorted before I can continue. And it's possible that my doing these fasts has had a negative impact there. While it may be helping me with other areas, it could be giving me this downside there. And adrenals are pretty important and they really affect my productivity. So I'm concerned about them. You know, you can get energy dips, in the afternoon or a big warning sign and I still get those sometimes and I want to avoid those because it's just a waste of time as, as far as I'm concerned if you're not high energy if you're not performing well it's as good as like, like you know, your brain's just not thinking right it's as good as kind of like wasted energy and I want to get past that first so the real takeaways, like summarizing here is just like the positive stuff is like I had a lean mass gain and I had like two times that that they saw in the study I had regeneration markers showing good. So like I had some movement in my white blood cells. I'd like to see more, but the IGF-1 was strong. So that's a good thing. Then I saw a small impact on inflammation. Not a big deal, but it was positive. And really, I think the cooler thing and the thing that really stood out here was the longer therapeutic zone for cancer that I had, that extra 20 hours. And it could possibly show that I'm now more metabolically flexible having done these fasts. And the negative, of course, is this adrenal stressor concern. So what's next with this? Like, where's it all leading? Well, I'm hoping to still make use of this fasting tool because it's got so many benefits, like I said, at the beginning, but of course I'm going to have to protect the downside first. I need to improve my adrenal functional tests. It's really affecting the quality of my life and my productivity. So I need to add more adrenal recovery support. I'm working with a doctor on that an integrative medicine doctor and after another 3 months or so I'm going to go recheck my adrenal function for improvement to see if it's recovered at that time and then I can go ahead with more fasts. So when I'm thinking about this if you want to do a fast if you're interested in doing a fast there are a few signs that you may have adrenal fatigue and I'm not a doctor again but this is probably something that you want to get checked before you do a fast if you think it may be an issue. And the signs are like I said if you have energy dips in the afternoons or you if you're often ill you getting lots of colds, flus, these kind of things. Or if sometimes they have a flipped cortisol circadian rhythm because of adrenal fatigue, what that means is that you're more alert at night and you're more tired. You find it hard to get out of bed in the morning, but you tend to find it hard to get to sleep at night. Like a lot of people I know these days, they'll like to work at night, right? That can be due to a flipped cortisol circadian rhythm, which is a sign of earlier stage adrenals. So it's worth checking out before you're doing a fast if any of those appeal to you. Just to make sure you avoid any downstream impact over the longer term. Once I'm ready to do this again, I figured that what I'm going to do afterwards will be like a full fast mimicking diet. So I'll use that two avocados plus the greens powder instead of just the greens powder and that will make it easier for my adrenals, an easier way to get back into it and not give them such a shock. But what I'd really like to test right now Is look at the water fast again and look at some of these markers I just used for this experiment because I'd like to see that immune system. I'd like to see the white blood cells, the lymphocytes. I'd like to see if they dip further and thus there's a higher amount of regeneration. That would be more exciting for me. I also want to check out the body composition changes when I'm doing that because I want to see if, like last time in the water fast, I lost weight and I want to see what was going on there if that was lean mass versus this time in a fast mimicking diet, I gained lean mass. And that may be due. Because it's the fast making diet and it helps to gain lean mass. So I'd like to understand the pure water fast from a body composition perspective, which I didn't look at when I did that first water fast. After that, I'd also like to look at fasting cycles. So like free cycles and upwards to see what happens to my longer term biomarkers. So things like the metabolic switching time I was saying, like, am I going to get more and more efficient? Will I metabolically switch faster at an earlier stage of the fast? And thus it might feel a lot easier also, because I kind of noticed that the switch point correlates, the time you've switched to ketones versus glucose correlates with how easy the fast is. So this time into the second day, I was, was like, oh, this is easy. I'm already past the harder part, which wasn't the case the first time. It was more like correlated with the third day event. So it'd be interesting to see if it gets easier and easier like that. Because then you actually may be able to, so if you imagine your therapeutic window is getting bigger each time, you could actually reduce the number of days that you're fasting and get the same therapeutic, if you're looking for that cancer therapeutic impact, then you could get the same impact with, say, a four-day fast that previously you got with a five-day fast. More generally, I'd like to see my HbA1c improve over time. You can check out episode seven with Jimmy Moore. We talk a little bit about that there. And I'd like to reduce my fasting glucose, which isn't great. So these are things which I would expect to improve over time with more cycles. Your IGF-1 should drop a bit over time. I didn't see that this time with mine, but that's what they see with three cycles or four cycles. They see that when you bounce back up, your IGF-1 is actually lower than where it was at the baseline before you started. And that's got some anti-aging benefits. People with lower IGF-1 tend to live longer and potentially age slower. Over this long term, it would be really interesting to see my body composition. If I could keep this lean mass gain up, that would be pretty cool. Gaining a little bit of lean mass each time, losing a little bit of body fat, and improving my physique step-by-step that way. That's it for this episode. I've put more information into the blog post, and I will continue to do that for these kind of things, because I assume that there's some people who want to dive into the details, see the charts, see the biomarker results, and other details. So some of the things i put into the blog post are some of the confounders I thought that might exist. So like I've been talking about what I think like a lot of these results mean and some of the things I'd like to explore. But there's actually some other confounders and there always are that you should always just check, which could indicate that actually it's due to something else. So I've highlighted those in the blog post also. I've added some how-to information to the blog post about how to do this in kind of like a minimalist fashion. So if you wanted to do a minimalist fasting experiment and find out if you're really getting the benefits by tracking some stuff, how would you do that? What diet would you have? And what kind of things would you track depending on the benefits you like to get? And just keep it minimalist style in terms of the cost and the effort you're putting into it. I'll leave you with a question of the day. Please let me know in the comments of the blog post or on Twitter at biohacks. Have you done some type of fasting before? What was your experience like? And what other methods of fasting are you interested in learning about? Let me know in the comments or on Twitter. I'll speak to you soon. To get more of The Quantified Body, subscribe on iTunes, or go to the website, verquantifiedbody.net. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-N-T-I-F-I-E-D-B-O-D-Y dot N-E-T. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, we are at twitter.com slash quantifiedbody. And on Facebook, we are at facebook.com forward slash quantifiedbodypodcast. If you've got feedback or requests for the show, you can email them to me at Damien at TheQuantifiedBody.net That's D-A-M-I-E-N at TheQuantifiedBody.net Thanks for joining the show this week. See you next time.